Hi, and welcome to the Breastfeeding Medicine Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dr. Ann Eglash. I'm a clinical professor in the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. I'm also a board-certified lactation consultant and a co-founder of the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. And I'm Karen Bodnar. I am an assistant professor of pediatrics at Harbor UCLA Medical Center and a general pediatrician. I'm also a board-certified lactation consultant. And this podcast is sponsored by the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. Just so you know, the content of our podcasts does not necessarily reflect official policies or protocols of the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. Are you ready to go? Hi, Karen. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good. So today we have some really interesting topics. We have one topic right hot off the press about giving early formula, formula early to babies right after birth to prevent weight loss. And boy, that really hit the media, didn't it? I'm excited we can talk about it because there's been so much going on in blogs and um, in news groups that I've heard about this study. Right. The media really picked up picked this up and ran, and it's. I think it's going to be dangerous. So why don't we just get started? Do you want to summarize the article? Sure. So um, this study, which came out in the early online edition of Pediatrics um, this week, is titled Effective Early Limited Formula on Duration and Exclusivity of Breastfeeding in At-Risk Infants, a Randomized Controlled Trial. And um, the lead author is Valerie Flairman. And um, this study was done in light of recent public health efforts to reduce formula use during birth hospitalization. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of studies that were not randomized that showed that babies that got formula supplementation in the hospital had lower rates of breastfeeding um, duration and exclusivity. But there had been no previous randomized trials that reported the effects of early formula use. So the study was designed to determine if small volumes of formula given before the onset of mature milk production might reduce formula use at one week of age and increase breastfeeding at three months of age. This study was a small pilot study with um, only 40 participants, um, 40 dyads, and they were exclusively breastfeeding infants and their moms. The babies were 24 to 48 hours old, and they had lost 5% or more of birth weight. So those patients were um, randomized to either an early limited formula intervention group or a control group, which was um, continued exclusive breastfeeding. And the authors um, referred a lot to the early limited formula group as the ELF group, so I'm going to use that shorthand. The ELF group received 10 milliliters or two teaspoons of formula by syringe after each breastfeed, and this was discontinued when mature milk production began. The outcomes were um, breastfeeding and formula use at one week of age, as well as one, two, and three months of age. And the results of the study um, showed that fewer babies from the limited supplementation group were using formula at one week of age. In fact, only two of 20 of those babies, or 10% in the supplemented group, were using formula at one week, compared with nine out of 19, or 47% of the control group. And at three months of age, 
79% of the babies who had been supplemented were breastfeeding exclusively compared with only 42% of the control group. And the conclusions that the authors drew from these results were that early limited formula use could reduce long-term formula use at one week and increase breastfeeding at three months of age for some infants. And I think this has really um, caused a lot of buzz because most of the previous studies showed an association with early supplementation with less long-term breastfeeding. So there have been uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of people talking about that, and we can sort of jump in from there. Yeah. So I think, so Dr. Allison Stubbe wrote uh, in the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine blog an analysis of the study, and I think she hit it right on the head in that first paragraph of her blog where she talks about the difference between giving these really small measured amounts of formula at 5% weight loss, which is 5% weight loss happens in 12 hours. It's crazy um, for a lot of babies, um, giving these really small measured amounts and then stopping when milk comes in as opposed to plunking down a couple bottles or a six-pack of two-ounce bottles of formula in the exam room. And when the baby's really fussy and 8% down and it's day three, day two or day three, and 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 moms are told, well, you need to supplement, but no one's telling them how much to supplement. They're just um, giving these larger amounts of formula and then that will delay infant feeding. They're not going to breastfeed as often. And um, it, to me, the study does not address the type of counseling that mothers got when they were exclusively breastfeeding. And we don't know what happened on day three. What happened on day three and four when these mothers went home and they were exclusively breastfeeding and they were down 8 or 9% and maybe a little yellow? Who knows what doctors they were going to who may have said, oh, I don't like the weight loss, give some formula, and that's the counseling that they got. So there's something lost in the study between what happened at the time of discharge and at one week to explain. Absolutely. And the, and the group that got the formula early on may have understood, okay, I understand that I should only give these minute amounts of formula, um, and they told me to stop. So they got guidance on formula use, but the other group didn't. Yeah, and that was really highlighted um near the very end of the study. So I think the biggest com- the biggest thing I took away from reading all the comments that were made on Allison Stubbe's blog was so many other people saying, you know, that the headline of this, the, the one-line result of the study does not say it all. It does tell us something interesting. I think the study definitely um, gave an interesting result, but reading deeper is what is going to, teach us something and tell us where to go from here. And so this study, like most studies, was analyzed on um, intention to treat. And so what that means is, you know, for our listeners who might not be familiar, that the babies were treated by the by the study authors in a certain way. They were given the supplement or they were not. And then later on, they were measured to see what happened. But other things happened to those patients besides just that that treatment that was given by the study authors. And that's what you were saying about what happened on day three and four of life. And in the results, there's this little sentence that says, during the first week after birth, newborns assigned to the ELF received 116 milliliters of formula. And the controls, these were the babies who were supposedly not supplemented, or at least they were not by the study physicians, 
received 262 milliliters of mm-hmm. formula. Right, right. And so what that actually said to me was the title of the study should be Strict Limitation of Supplementation Leads to Lower um, Formula Use Later. That is such As opposed to yeah. suggesting that some formula use versus no formula use leads to less formula later. It's not true. Being really, really clear about limited, limiting formula if it's needed leads to more, leads to more breastfeeding later, not right. saying, oh, don't do it. Right. And, and in fact, if you read through all the different points that are made in the discussion section, they say a delay in lactation leads to more formula use and um, a delay in lactation leads to less exclusive breastfeeding at three months, which means more formula use is associated with less exclusive breastfeeding at three months. So it's not about giving formula is going to be associated with increased exclusivity. Um, it's limiting that formula. That's limiting the supplementation. I think this is such an American study too, because I bet in other countries they're probably thinking those crazy Americans thinking that they have to supplement at five percent weight loss. And if we had a culture where we really, really encouraged skin to skin and um, had them had the babies co sleep with the babies in the hospital, have moms co sleep with the babies in the hospital and had every single early feeding cue um, translate into putting the baby to the breast, this would not even be an issue. It's how we intervene. It's how we care for our moms and babies in the hospital that leads to insufficient feeding. Because really, the babies are transferring 10 to 15 ml with colostrum. And if they just do that more often, they'll get more calories. Yeah, and a lot of the physicians who commented on the study commented on that exactly and said, you know, what exactly was the effect, we don't know, of the control group. So the the control group received an intervention. They wanted them to have the same amount of time with the study doctor. And so to fill up the time when the experimental group was being taught how to feed by syringe, they spent the same amount of time with the other baby's families, and they went over um, this sort of baby comforting technique, which was referred to as the five S's. And I thought it was really interesting that some people commented, like, did this actually decrease the amount of skin-to-skin time that those babies had? Did that actually encourage parents to do other things to quiet them rather than let them feed on demand? And did that have an effect on whether or not those moms had delayed lactogenesis? Right, I agree. And, you know, the study didn't document how often these babies had fed and whether or not there was rooming in and what the, was this a baby from the hospital? So we don't really have any information about um, the, the quality of the frequency of feedings. So it's, yeah, it's, I think that would be really interesting to have like total number of minutes, skin to skin contact in each group and number right. of feedings in each group and more data. Right. And the number of visitors that came in and that sort of thing too. I think the other important point about this is um, a couple of other important points. One is that this is a group of moms that were willing to be randomized into this study. And the author said in their introduction that most most mothers are okay with adding some supplementation early on. And I would say that that's not true of my population. I would say my population gets very, very upset about the idea of having to get formula, and they will stick it out and not want to get formula because they see that as being as giving up and not being successful. Uh-huh. Um, and then, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I think that was one of several problems that the authors noted in their sort of um, discussion of the limitations of their study was that there was really limited, there were a lot of problems that led to questions about the external validity of the study. So whether or not it could be applied to groups like your group or a population like I see, which is a much more diverse population with much lower education than this group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other issue is the multiparity in each group. The intervention group that got the formula, there were a greater number of women who had more than one child. And having more than one child, having a history of more than one child, is associated with increased exclusivity of breastfeeding, meaning that they don't supplement at three months. And mm-hmm. so the groups are not really even comparable. So I, yeah, when I and they saw commented this, that they need to have a, I mean, it was a pilot study, so they need to have a bigger study. Right. And I also thought that really there would be ways, if you're, you know, following from this to do another study, to do a three-arm study. So a study where there was a, a different levels of supplementation because I really think that showing that the limit on the supplementation was the key factor or even doing a blinded study. I mean, in my mind, would have been possible, although very difficult, to take the babies out of the room and either supplement them or not and bring them back. Right. That would be interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think the last thing we should just share with our listeners is just the, the issue that we don't know what the side effects are to babies, the risks of having this small amount of formula routinely given, we know that formula changes gut flora and it has an effect on their immune system overall because it changes gut development. And so routinely giving formula, I mean, we would be the only mammal on earth that, that does that. So I just think that we should learn from other mammals and not assume that this is something that humans need. Yeah, and the the authors made this very short um, the paragraph about you know, there were no allergic effects seen in these babies, but it was such a small, such a short-duration study that we wouldn't expect to see those um, right. in this group. Right. And I think that really what I've taken away from this is it's interesting that having really specific guidelines about limiting formula supplementation is positive, but that we need a lot. We need a much bigger study before we can say supplementation is going to lead to to increase duration and exclusivity. I think that the one practice pearl that I've taken away from this, which I try to share with the physicians I work with routinely, is when people do supplement, to remember to do very small volumes, and more importantly, to turn it off. I liken it to, like, if you start your patient on IV fluids, you would never forget to turn that off when they left the hospital. Right, right. So most of the time we don't need it, but when people do it, they need to remember to stop it. That's a really good point. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So that was fun. Yeah. So I want to talk about one other study briefly. This was a study entitled Multinutrient Fortification of Human Breast Milk for Preterm Infants Following Hospital Discharge. This was published in the Cochrane Database in 2013, February. Uh, lead authors are Young and Embleton um, et al. So, Karen, you and I both know that preterm infants uh, receiving mother's milk and donor human milk 
receive fortification in their milk when they're in the NICU because breast milk doesn't meet the entire nutritional needs for optimal growth of premature infants. This fortification tends to include protein, carbs, minerals, and vitamins. Some of the fortifiers are liquid and some are powders, and they are added directly to the breast milk. The problem is whether the fortification should continue at the time of hospital discharge, and it seems that the decision to fortify breast milk at the time of discharge is variable, not only based on the tendencies of the doctors in the NICU, but also maybe at the time of discharge, so if they're discharged a little earlier, they're still fortifying, and also just the needs of the individual baby. For many years, we've known that preterm infants are often much smaller than term infants by the time that they're discharged from the hospital. And the concern is that slow growth in these preemie NICU grads might lead to impaired neural development outcomes later in life, such as difficulties with cognition and educational achievements. Also, if the preterm infants are deficient in calcium and phosphorus at the time of hospital discharge, they have lower risk. They have a higher risk of low bone mineralization with slow skeletal growth, so they're just smaller people. However, fortifying would require that moms pump their breast milk and then and bottle and bottle feed, which interrupts the actual breastfeeding. And of course, moms who are stuck pumping and bottle feeding struggle with their milk supplies and oftentimes will give up earlier. It's also it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, yeah. And they already have a preemie and they're already trying oftentimes trying to work outside the home. It's also possible that fortifying breast milk can cause stomach upsets such as spitting up, diarrhea, and it changes their gastric emptying so they're not going to feed as often. There's also the concern that trying to rapidly attain catch-up growth in this population might lead to long-term risks of um, symptoms of the of metabolic syndrome, including obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, and different types of vascular disease like strokes and heart attacks. So we don't really know that even at, like dumping all these calories into these babies is a good idea. Yeah, we so, talk about that a lot in pediatrics when we see our ex-premies come back as obese children. Right, right. Some people argue that if these babies are not fed fortified breast milk, but are instead allowed to regulate their intake of unfortified milk, they'll basically drink more breast milk and possibly receive the same amount of nutrition anyway. So this review evaluated trials that looked at whether continuing breast milk fortification for preemies after discharge would increase growth rates and show any benefit in terms of development. So unfortunately, in looking at all the trials, they only found two randomized controlled trials with a total of 246 infants. In one study of 39 infants, the researchers gave the supplemented infants 10% more calories and 20% more protein. And the other study had 207 infants uh, where the supplemented infants received 6.5% more calories and 20% more protein than the controls. And the the supplementation for each of the groups Uh, went on for three to four months. They found that for the most part, there wasn't a significant difference in growth between the baby supplemented and those not supplemented at three to four months of age. By 12 months, the studies showed a slight increase in height in the fortified groups. Only one of the two studies looked at bone mineralization and found it was higher in the supplemented group. One study looked at the neurobehavioral outcomes at 18 months and didn't find any difference between them. And one study had no difference in duration of breast milk feeding between the two groups, the supplemented and unsupplemented, but the other study had lower rates of breast milk feeding uh, for the fortified group. So the authors 
concluded that there's really not good evidence for routine supplementation, routine fortification of uh, breast milk for preemie babies if they can take ad-lib volumes of breast milk. Babies that have extra metabolic requirements who have a, or who have um, an unusually low rate of growth who can't take those liberal amounts of breast milk should have their milk fortified. So the routine practice, they basically say there's just not good evidence that this is something that's um, proven to be a good idea. That's interesting. Yeah. I I actually hate it. I mean, I when, when I get babies in my practice who come out of the NICU, one of the first things I do is I say, stop the fortification. Let's just see what your baby does. Because I find that babies, when they're in the NICU, they seem to grow slowly. Their weight grow slowly. And I really think it has a lot to do with really, at least in our NICU, with structuring them every three hours. That's when they get to feed. Oh, yeah. And when they leave the NICU. It's not the normal pattern. Right, right. When they leave the NICU, I try to explain to the parents, you know, your baby's going to want to eat like every hour and a half sometimes. And um, and then I also worry about just the lack of free water. Like, is this a good idea on their kidneys to get this, this uh, fortification? They're not getting the free water that would be in the larger amounts of breast milk too. And I know Yeah, some, I mean we certainly see effects on the on the kidneys and certain types of supplementation and also like you're talking about diarrhea, those sorts of things. And the biggest thing you already mentioned is just the difficulty for moms who would normally be feeding at the breast to have to pump and do extra work. Right, they're gonna. They have For a harder people time. who are together and they're doing, you know, feeding up the breast. I think it just makes no sense to have to add that extra step in. Right, right. And these moms, they want to just have a normal breastfeeding relationship with their babies. You know, they see it as successful. Mm-hmm. And with all this fortification that they're doing, it actually makes their babies still like like that vulnerable baby. Oh, my baby's like special, sick, needs these added calories. And if we don't have any evidence that that's necessary, we really should be just assuming that these babies are fine. And then if they don't gain well because they're not able to take sufficient calories, then add supplementation. So prove that they need it rather than assuming that they need it and not finding out naturally how they're doing. Yeah, I think that's a really good approach. I mean, it just highlights the fact that every every baby is different and I tend try to approach the family based on, you know, what's going on with that family. Does the baby actually feed really well at the breast and the, the mom is work, not working outside the home, it just is so much easier to have her breastfeed directly, watch the growth, see what's going on. I was surprised to hear that those studies had supplementation going on for the fortification going on for so long. Yeah. You said 24 months. It just seems incredibly long to me. I no, don't know anybody to, who does I'm sorry. It. The, they were supplementing the babies for three to four months. Oh, three to four months. Yeah, three to four months, yeah. Okay, well, um, it's great talking to you, and um, we will um, talk again soon in a couple weeks. Sounds good. All right, take care. If you have any interest in the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine or any questions or comments about this podcast, please email us at abm at b as in boy, f as in frank, med.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks.